Ephesians chapter 3. Today we will be in Ephesians chapter 3, 16 through 21. So as we journey through the book of Ephesians, we are learning some of the foundational beliefs, the basics of being a Christian. Some of the things that we've learned is God has always had a plan for our salvation. And throughout our journey, Paul prays that we would have eyes to see all that God has done. Paul tells us how, how far we were lost and sick before we knew Jesus. We've also learned that, um, as Paul shares with us, the importance of being one with the body of Christ. One big family. And Paul also, last week, talked about what it meant to be a prisoner of Christ. Now, <clears throat> yeah, that was unique, but I think many of us, or I think all of us should be prisoners of Christ. Um, being willing to be obedient in every and all situations, whether at work, with family, in prison, in jail, whatever it may be. Nevertheless, Paul last week ends up getting away from that for a minute. But this week, he's going to get back to it. There was a need for believers to persevere through hard times. But what Paul knows is you and I cannot persevere through hard times on our own strength. So what does Paul do? Paul prays. And he prays for you and I. And I think one of the things that we need to keep on doing as a church and maybe even increase in as a church is praying for one another. I appreciate that we have technology, we have Remind, that we can send, um, send Reminds out throughout the prayer needs. But there's oftentimes throughout the week that God will just bring many of you guys to my heart. You haven't reached out to me and, um, or you haven't reached out to us as leaders, but God will just ask Will you intercede for them? And it's not that I spend three hours praying for you, right, sitting like a monk. But I just mention your names as God leads um, up to him. And, and a lot of the times what my prayer, my prayer will be for you guys is simply just, God, give us eyes to see. Help us see your love. Help us see your truth. Help us see who we are in you. Help us see the world as it really is. Give us eyes to see. Amen? We need eyes to see. So that's what Paul's doing. Paul is praying for the church. He's praying for his brothers and sisters in Ephesus. So he does this by praying. Here, here's, here's his prayer points. He wants the church to experience God's power. He wants them to be established and rooted in love. And he wants them to um, have the power with all the church, with all the saints, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of God is. And he also desires that they would be filled with the fullness of Christ. That's what he wants. And what we don't see here in the church um, in Ephesus is we don't see him saying, run from this sin or run from that sin. What he's saying is, look, if you would understand how to walk in unity with the church, if you would understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is, your life would be completely different. So God, give us eyes to see today how high, how wide, how long, and how deep your love is. I want that. Nevertheless, Paul's prayer for believers, Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth desires its name, or derives its name. For this reason I kneel before the Father. So here we see him praying. So we need Christ's power in our lives. Verse 16 I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Strength, power, his spirit in your inner being. I am 100% positive today that there are people in this room There are people within this church, there are people all over the world that feel powerless within their inner being, within certain situations within their life, right? Some people feel powerless to say no. There's things going on in your life that you just feel powerless, like you know you shouldn't do it, you just feel powerless to say no. Has anyone in here ever felt powerless to say no? I have. Now, there's other people in here that feel powerless to say yes. You know that you're supposed to do some things. You know that God's asking some things of you. And you feel powerless to have that power to say, yes, God, I will do it. Anyone in here ever felt powerless to say yes? Some some are powerless to lust. Others are powerless to eating. Some are powerless to reading their Bible. Others are powerless to fear. Some are powerless to uh, gossip. Others are powerless to porn. Some are powerless to lying. Others are powerless to rebelling. Some are powerless to anger. And others are powerless to complacency. We keep on trying to fight these battles within our life on our own. And we're powerless without him. And what Paul is coming based upon experience and also based upon knowing the love of God is he's saying, look, church in Ephesus. Hey, look, church in Champaign County, in Mechanicsburg, MCF, you are powerless without Christ. And sometimes what we do is I think our prayers are wrong. What we pray is we pray that God would take a certain thing out of our life when the correct prayer is, God, give me the power to overcome. Amen? So the list could go on. And the more that God gives us eyes to see and the more that God gives me eyes to see, I realize I don't want a self-willed power to resist. I remember willing myself to just do the right thing over and over and over again. And it was, a, it was a head knowledge of God's presence. And it was a head power, right? It was just sheer, like, this is the only way that I can prove my worth to God is to not do it. Not to think this way or feel this way. But I don't want a self-willed um, strength. What I want is a born-again new creation that no longer desires. Amen? Don't you just want those desires that when you wake up in the morning that he is your desire? That he is all you want? That he is all that you want to follow? Because I want a new heart filled with the Holy Spirit that never desires anything but him. That's what Paul's praying. That's what he's getting at in this section is when you know how wide and how deep and how long and how far God's love is for you, your desires will change. Paul is saying that um, the church in Ephesus would be strengthened with power in their inner being through God's Holy Spirit. So we need this to happen to us too. We need to make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because spiritual strength from God is the only thing that empowers us to say no to our inner cravings. Amen? So when the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and we submit to him, we have every tool we've ever needed to overcome everything that comes our way. So, serious question. How many of us need more power today? I need more power today. I want the power of Christ in me. So how does this happen? 
but we must be born again. Basics, right? Let's con- uh, well, yeah, we must be born again for, the, for this to happen. So John 3, um, 37 says this. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Verse 4. How can someone be born then? Uh, sorry, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. So for us to have the power of God's spirit within us, what we have to do is be born again. We must be born of the spirit. Being born again means that God has made us a brand new being. The old has gone and the new has come. It also means that we are sealed into eternity. And then after we are born again, Jesus will live on the inside of us. Jesus lives inside of those in here today who are born again. And for those who are born again that feel like they lack power, what Paul is trying to share with you is this. Get to know how much God loves you. God loves you. And I know there's, um, there's people that I've had discussions uh, with before that the song How He Loves Us, they had an issue with. Because they had an issue with it because they felt like that was praising us. But actually, I believe that it's praising him, right? How you love us? Paul talks about how deep is love for us. And I actually prefer the sloppy wet kiss version, honestly. So, um, but I also don't mind asking women their age. <laughs> so, unforeseen kiss. I do, when, when that all happened, I just felt like it was stealing from the heart of how God inspired the um, uh, John Mark McMillan when he wrote that song. Um, and, and to know how John Mark McMillan wrote that song, and I guess this will be free for a moment, um, John had a really good friend that um, just he did life with. And what ended up happening is um, when he wrote this song, it was after his best friend of like life ended up getting in a tragic car accident unexpectedly. And John just for months just didn't know how to deal with it, didn't know how to handle it, didn't know why God would do this or allow this to happen. So through that heartache, John wrote this song of um, how he loves us. God, you love like a hurricane. And not only do you love like a hurricane, but you give me a sloppy wet kiss. And John's heart behind sloppy wet kiss instead of what we had to change it to unforeseen kiss. Was it, life is sloppy. It is messy. But you do keep on coming back with your love. So I prefer that version, Chad. If you see, if you lead us in unforeseen kiss, I'm going to judge you. <laughs> Get over yourself, Joey. (laughs) I will not judge him. Um, We must be born again. We must experience, if if we're powerless, we have to know the love of God for us. But we have to be born again. John 14, 23 says this, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus is coming to live inside. God is coming, the the Godhead is coming to live inside of the believer. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Last one. 1 John 2, 29. If you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So for us to possess this power, what do we have to do? We have to be born again. Now, I don't know everyone's walking here, and there's absolutely no judgment in this. I don't know if everyone in here has been born again. 
To be born again, we must repent. And I hear a lot of testimonies today where people talk about their, their testimony was they were poor and they were homeless, and then one day they received some money, so then they knew that God was real. So then they started to follow God. And I think that's cool testimony. But just because you were poor and God somehow randomly provided you money doesn't mean that you're now born again because you say you trust him. What do you trust him with? What the Bible tells us is the way that we become born again is we do what? Repent. We turn from our sins and we turn to him. So I don't know where we all are within this room, but to be born again, we must repent. We must turn from our evil ways. We must recognize that we are nothing without him. Amen? Now my shepherd's upside down. Catherine won't like that. How many of you guys got a Catherine sticker today? Oh, we are the blessed today. The chosen. So we must be born of him. The list could go on about being born again. And this is what Paul is praying about. He's praying that we would be born again in such a way, right, that we would have the power inside of us to not only walk in unity with the church, to live sacrificial with the church, but we'd also have the power to say no to sin and know how deep and how wide and how far and how long and how to infinity his love is for us. And when we have power, and this is where I think most of us sit today, I believe that most of us have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. But one of the things that gets us in trouble is we think that we've been born again and then we just start to coast. Like in the Christian life, unintentionally, um, but I think where maybe the church has failed a little bit is we prover proverbially flirt with unsaved people until we get them saved. And then from there, it's almost like we're done. And I'm not talking about just the church, but it's like, not, not like just church leaders. I'm talking about us as people. Like our desire for unsaved people is the peak of their life is to get them saved. And then from there, it's like, okay, cool, they're in the kingdom. But I think that's not enough. I think what um, actually ends up happening is when people get born again, that's just the start. But what ends up happening is because maybe we've unintentionally been raised in this, we've been raised in thinking that, hey, once we're saved, now we're good. What we don't do is we don't remain repentant. We don't keep with repentance. What we do is we just feel bad about sin and we, we don't keep on growing. So Matthew 3, 8 says this, for those who are already in the kingdom, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And I think why the church doesn't produce fruit or why the church sometimes can become powerless is because we don't produce fruit in keeping with repentance. We get saved and then we remain. So I ask you the question, are you producing fruit as a believer in keeping repentance? Do you have this repentant heart within your life? Or are there things that you know that you're doing that God is like, I'd prefer that you not? And it's not even a preference of his. He's like, hey, like, if you keep on doing that, your life is going to keep on being miserable. But I'm also not saying prosperity. But if you keep on doing this, you're not going to know how deep and how far and how wide my love is for you. If you keep on having your thoughts and your minds on the world and your desires and your worries and your fears and your anxiousness, then you're never going to know this deep side of me. So we must remain and keep with repentance. Now, our small group discussed um, Matthew 3, 8. And while we were discussing this, even Mark brought up 
Don't you think that keeping with repentance is John 15? Um, about the idea of remaining in him and abiding in him? And the conclusion within the small group was yes. As the church, keeping in repentance means that we abide in Christ. So John 15, 5 through 8. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, or what I believe a, um, we can also say is, if you keep with repentance, so I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask anything you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Amen? So is it possible, church, that you're frustrated that your life feels powerless? But you feel powerless, but then you also keep on doing things that you know God's calling you not to do. Well, we have to remain in him. We have to keep up with repentance. You have to turn from those things. Because if we're looking to the world, we're missing out on his love. So as a new creation, we have the duty to keep up with repentance and remain in him. This is a daily thing. This isn't like sometimes in relationships where you like overlook things until the pile gets this big and then you just erupt. Marriages, you ever been there? It's just like, well, he didn't do the dishes today. That's okay. He didn't take out the trash yesterday. That's okay. He didn't clean up the dog poop this week. That's all right. His, his laundry's just been sitting there for four weeks. Keeps on flipping them. Now he stepped on my toe, let's fight. <laughs> let's go. Because I've been telling you that you don't pay attention to me in the house because you always have your headphones on. Right? Fight. Fight. That may or may not be a true situation. <laughs> it's really not. Honestly not. Um, we have to do it daily. And one of the things that uh, Macy and I are learning in marriage is the importance of communicating those things before um, the sweeping, the rug gets too high, right? Because sometimes we just sweep things under. And what we've learned is if we can process more frequently frustrations and disappointments and dreams and whatever else, we mostly do better, right? Likewise with repentance. It's not that I'm saying like you walk around with a sackcloth on every day. Woe is me. I'm a horrible human being. God, I'm sorry. No. What you do is you just declaratively agree with him. Say, God, my cravings and my desires go this way. Give me a new heart. Because I agree, I agree with you that this is the wrong direction. And today, I'm going to choose not to go there. May I feel your love in your mercy, in your grace to empower me. And the more that you know his love and sense his love, honestly, the easier it is to avoid those things. Just absolutely easier. So each day, today, find something. Today, walk with a repentant heart towards him. So some believers don't have power in their life right now because they haven't kept up with repentance. They haven't remained abiding in him. And that's why Paul was praying that Jesus may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. But Paul doesn't just want us to be strengthened with power through God's spirit. He also wants us to grasp God's love. So we must have a heart with fertile soil. Verse 17. 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. For what? To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Sometimes we think that the Bible is a sham because we never experienced this. Or some of us haven't experienced this. I believe I've experienced a lot of things that have radically changed my life that I can go back to and remember that God, you are who you say you are. And I know I haven't experienced the fullness, but the glimpse that I've tasted and seen has radically changed everything in my life. When I've seen a piece of, a centimeter of how wide and how long and how deep and how high his love is, it's just changed me. Everything in my life, nothing has ever met what he's done for me. Ever compared to it. My track stuff, um, being married, Buckeye National Championships, some good ice cream I had yesterday. Um, Aladdin's eatery, Esther had to watch us all eat. They messed up her meal and she was too afraid to eat, share with us, so. <laughs> no matter how good the food is, I've never tasted, I've never seen anything on this side other than him. His love and his mercy. So what Paul is getting at is a heart um, that God will find his home in is rooted and established in love. Rooted and established in love. That's where God finds, finds his home. This could be a full sermon, and maybe sometime uh, we will do that. But this heart can have power when it has unity with others. And it understands, uh, or can understand, God's wide, long, high, and deep love that surpasses knowledge. Resulting in us being filled to the full measure of God. We should be desiring this. We should be going home and studying the scripture on our own this week. Because when we're lacking, when we're depressed, when we're lonely, when we're anxious, when we're fearful, what we should do is we should study this because this tells us about the fullness, a measure of fullness of God's love that we get to understand. And here's sometimes what I end up telling God as I say, God, I believe your word. I put all my chips on it, but I don't understand this right now. I, I'm not experiencing this right now. So give me eyes to see this today. Give me a heart with fertile soil to understand this and want to consume it. Give my simple mind a mind to comprehend. And then God, after all these things that I've seen and heard in fertile soil, then give me the obedience to do it. I hope that um, you guys continually catch on to that prayer. It's really fun. Some of you have tried to, and uh, you start praying it, and then you're like, what is it? Elbows to do what? Eyebrows to do what? So keep on hearing how this prayer is so important to me, and I don't say it religiously. I truly mean, God, I need a mind to comprehend. I need a heart with fertile soil. I need eyes to see and ears to hear. I need feet to be obedient. And we're going to get to the body armor that talk about feet of readiness. So we need this fullness of him to combat the world. Nevertheless, now to receive the fullness, Paul taught us we need to be rooted and established. We should all know that uh, what, roots, what roots do in the simplest form, Right? Roots absorb nutrients from the source that they are in. If the source is good, the plant will do what? Grow healthily. If the source is bad, the plant will eventually die. 
So if we have to be rooted and established in love, what I ask you this, what I ask you is this, what is your heart feeding on today? Where is your heart rooted and established? Where are your roots? And some might not think that it's a big deal, but the people that you interact with, the things that you read, the things that you listen to, the things that you watch, where you spend your time, that represents where you are rooted and where your foundation is. So look, for those, um, for those who constantly watch their favorite news source or listen to their favorite um, news source, guess what ends up happening? You talk to me about how stressed out you are about the election and how worried you are about the border and what's going on around the world. Now, I think there's certainly prayer points that we need to have for these things. But what I can tell is this, is the anxiousness and the fear and the worry that's coming from you tells me that you're rooted right now, that you're, what you're being fed with, because out of, the, out of the mouth overflows the heart, what you're being rooted and grounded in is coming out, and that's fear, worry, and anxiousness, because you're not coming from the source of the living word, you're coming from a political opinion of people who are telling you things that we don't know whether they're true or not, right? We don't know truly what's going on anywhere right now. We don't know what's going on anywhere other than what's happening right now, right here. Someone could send us a text that certified is on fire, but we don't know yet. Now we could go out here and go look and know, right? We might hear it, but we don't know. So we're, we're, we're rooted in these things. Are you rooted in Christ today? Are you in his word? Are you finding ways to sing praises of songs to him throughout the week other than Sunday? The people that you interact with throughout the week, are they speaking life, the life of Jesus, or are they speaking the negativity of a de deprived mind, depraved mind? What are you rooted in? Because he's saying, what Paul is telling us is, is a heart that is rooted in Christ rooted and established in love, he will make his home. So all of these things are part of our root system. They feed you. They will lead you. And Paul was telling the Ephesians that they were rooted and established already. So this is a praise. And because of that, there is more for them to experience. So when we are rooted and established already, Paul is saying, now let's go to the next level. Paul was saying, hey, look, you're saved, you're born again, you're, you're following Christ, now, next level. So MCF, I'm asking you, are you ready for the next level? Insert Rocky music. Time to run up the Philadelphia stairs. I don't know what they're called, but it's time to do it, right? Next level stuff now. So since you are there, I want to experience more of God's love, but I first must make sure that my heart is fertile so that God makes his home there. I can do this by abiding in him. Abiding in him is much more than doing the right thing. Think about the story of Jonah. Jonah did the right thing but he was far off, like he was far from God. And for those who are unfamiliar, which I think many of us are familiar, what ends up happening is God tells Jonah to do something. So what does Jonah do? He ends up going to, hopping on a boat and going to Tarshish. He's heading in the direction of Tarshish. And while he's heading that direction, um, a big storm comes and then they're throwing all their goods off to try to make the boat a little bit more stable. And after they throw everything off, then Jonah's like, hey, look, this storm is here because God's, God has a plan for my life and I'm being disobedient. Just throw me off. So cat, probably a cat 10 hurricane. We probably haven't seen anything like this. 
So what ends up happening is Jonah gets thrown off the boat because he's running from God. He's just like, kill me, right? It was a death sentence. Just, I'm going to go out there. So he gets thrown off the boat, and then a big fish ends up connecting with Jonah, swallows him. For three days, Jonah is inside the belly of this big fish. Jonah gets spit out on dry land. And just the grumpy Jonah, and I just wonder, another sermon, how many grumpy Christians do we have? Right? Grumpy Christians. Every week, Joey keeps on talking about the carpet, so I have to give this money. Right? I'm still not asking for it. Mark's doing it. Just grumpy. I have to go to church today. I have to go to small group today. I have to read my Bible today. I have to listen to Christian music today. Why, God? Just grumpy. Anyone want to admit that you've been in a season of grumpy? That's okay. Critical. Grumpy and critical. And that's what Jonah was. So what is happening is Jonah, because he's rebelling, because his heart is far from God, he ends up getting spit out of this big fish. He's on land. So he's like, well, I'm on land, I'm alive, now what am I going to do? God tells him to go to Nineveh and tell the people of the Ninevites to repent, for the kingdom of God is near. So guess what Jonah does? Grumpily, critical, and frustrated, he goes to Nineveh and he goes through the streets and he says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. All the while thinking, I hate doing this, I don't want to be here, this is dumb. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. And guess what ends up happening? What the Bible tells us is that all of Nineveh repented and came to Christ. Praise God, right? So here's what I want to tell you. Just because you're grump, grumpy in doing it doesn't mean that your heart's in it, even if there's fruit. Fruit does not always affirm your heart. Because God is bigger than who you are. Jonah, according to the Bible, percentage-wise, is the most effective and efficient evangelist I've ever seen. Why? Because he preached, and after the message, everyone came to Christ. So abiding in him is much different than begrudgingly following him. Jonah did the right thing and was far from God. Abiding in God is about loving him and wanting to be in his will so much that you will deny all else to remain in him. How much do you desire to remain in him today? How much do you desire to be in a relationship with him today? Abiding is wanting to be where God wants you. Jonah was not abiding in God. We even see that after Jonah preached, he was grumbling and complaining, right? God provided shade, and then he got mad, and God provided this, and then he got mad, and he just grumbled and complained the whole time. Here's what I know is we can all be there, and some of you guys even admit it, I'm grumbling and complaining today. Ask God for that new heart, right? Either way, abiding is wanting to be where God wants you. Abiding is so much more, but, he, but, but yeah, abiding is so much more, but God has been talking to you specifically and me specifically for a long time about the things he wants us to abide in. Amen? You know the things that God wants you to abide in. You know the things that God wants you to listen to. Either way, when I am rooted and established in God, um, when I have a fertile heart, God then and then alone can take us to the next level 
And at that next level, it will be revealed to us the width of God's love. God's love is wide enough to include the worst of sinners in this world. Amen? The length of God's love, God's love for us stretches from eternity to eternity. We were chosen before the foundations of this world. Amen? And not only were we chosen before the foundations of this world, God had a plan for us before we were knit in our mother's womb. So the length of God's love has been here from times past that we can never comprehend to times future that we can't even imagine. That's the length of God's love for you. The depths of God's love. God's love for us is seen by his willingness to take on the depths of our sin to set us free. He descended from a throne in heaven to come to earth. But not only did he, did he descend from a throne to come to earth, he also descended in a certain way to be God to then become fully man. How many of you guys would give that up? I just thought about making a money joke. Like, we're not even willing to buy new carpet. And then I said, no, that wouldn't be a funny joke. But then I just wanted to let you know what my filter is. So just act like I didn't say it, right? But God, but God, you're like, okay, it's old. Stop saying it. Okay. Today I'll quit saying it, but I won't ask for anything. God was willing to humble himself and lower himself. The depths of his love we can't imagine. And the height of God's love. God's love raised us to new life. God's love raised Jesus from the grave. God's love seats us in heavenly realms. The heights of God's love is immeasurable. And amazing as it is, it can be easy for the believer to grow cold. Think about the way that God loves us for a second. The width. Every single one of us, all of our sins from sins past, even the person that you think never deserves heaven, God died for them too. So the width, the length, from eternity to eternity, the depth coming down for us and his love, the height raising us to new life. And it can still be easy for us to grow cold. That's crazy, isn't it? that we can grow cold, that today we can have a spirit of Jonah within our life. See, the thorns of life can easily choke us out. Our roots can become soiled. Our fruit can be destroyed. Therefore, our love for God wanes. That's exactly what happened to this church. Their love for God waned. Paul is encouraging them, saying, hey, look, you're established. You're where you're at. Nowhere in the book of Ephesus is he rebuking them. He's encouraging them. He's trying to take them to the next level. They had this fervor for God. But what does this church end up doing? This church ends up losing their first love. You guys should be familiar with this. Revelation 2, 1 through 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. The Ephesus 
had a time of really good in their life where they were on fire and doing the right things for God. But, verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. That's what Jesus is saying to the church in Ephesus. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forsaken the love you had at first. How can we understand even just, we at a baseline level in here, understand what Paul was saying about the depths and the width and the height and the length, all these things, right, of God's love. And then we grow cold. We grow cold. And that's what the Ephesians are being told here. How could that happen? How, how could we have fallen this far? So what Jesus does is he gives them instructions. So today for those who understand that they have fallen away from where God wants them to be, for those today who understand that they're not um, keeping with repentance, here's what God would tell you. Consider how far you have fallen. So now these are the instructions to get back to the right place. So before I read it, I want to pray. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would give us fertile soil, that you would give us eyes to see, minds to comprehend, feet that want to run with obedience and ears to hear. Every one of us in here today, Father, I pray that the scripture would bring life to us, that it would radically change something in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So consider how far you have fallen. Here's what we're to do. Repent and do the things you did at first. Repent and do the things you, uh, you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Consider how far you have fallen today. Repent and do the things you did at first. Chad, I don't know if you can come up and give us some, some pads. He's like not after I yelled at him about how he loves us. Forsaking kiss. Repent and do the things you did at first. Repent and do the things you did at first. Remember how far you have fallen. Do you re remember a time when you loved singing worship songs, not only at church, but at home and in your car, maybe in the shower? Do you remember when you loved, absolutely loved coming to church? Do you remember when you wanted to be involved in small groups and serving and giving and being generous? with your time, with whatever you had, right? Do you remember when you um, loved serving? Do you remember when you loved confessing? Do you remember when you loved reading your Bible? Do you remember when you loved sharing your testimony with people when you met them? Do you remember when you loved just being with him? Just, just being with him. Like, I could watch a movie right now. I'd go mow the grass for the second time today. I could go work on something. But I just want to be with him. Just, just him. Him alone. Because in him, I know that I, I have everything I ever needed. Do you remember when you loved just him and him alone? 
that he was just the first thing you'd think about when you woke up. And like you didn't feel like you had the obligatory, I have to pray today. It was like, when you got a promotion, you wanted to tell God about it first. When you saw him move, you wanted to talk to him about it first. And then sometimes he'd even tell you some things and you just want to keep it to yourself because it's like you and his little secret. That's what he wants to invite us into. So what is God saying? What is Jesus saying? Here's what he's telling us in the book of Revelation. Do those things again. Do those things again. Do those things again. Come to church and be excited. Serve people with expectation. Read your Bible expectantly. Do it out of overflow and not out of obligation. Be generous with everything in your life. Give out of your first fruits. Do those things again. And then guess what? We get to experience this fullness again. We get to follow the Spirit. He'll be full within us. Now, the scary part is this, is if we don't, if we don't repent, if we don't do the things we did at first, then what does Jesus say? He will take your lampstand. Now, many theologians have debated what that may mean. Does that mean like the influence and the power and the light in my life, the favor will now be taken from me and I'll no longer be able to walk in this favor and this power like I used to? Other theologians have suggested it also might mean that if we don't remain in repentance, if we don't remain following him, that it's possible that the lampstand could also mean that salvation is taken, taken from us. I'm not here to be a hellfire and brimstone preacher, right? I believe in grace and grace alone and not works. But I do believe the words of scripture here. And as much as Paul was telling the church in Ephesus, be established and rooted in love and know how deep and far and high these things are, to do that, you have to remain in him. You have to live repentant. So what I wanted to do is just provide us today, as a church, the opportunity to repent. That's it. Now, this is, well, maybe for some of us, this is the only opportunity we'll ever have. Because who put, the, who put that last breath in your lungs? Who kept your heart beating, right? He did. Repentance is not a bad thing. What repentance means is I'm tired of living a life that leads to nothing, and I want to turn from that, and I want to turn to a life in Christ that leads to everything. Peace, joy, hope, happiness, self-control, the fullness of God, power, desire changes. So, yeah, I want to provide that opportunity for repentance today for all of us to come up here by choice, not by peer pressure, but because God has put on your heart for a long time that he has so much more for you that you're experiencing. And say, God, today I'm turning from my, my sin. I'm, I'm turning from the spirit of Jonah. I'm turning from my grumpiness. I'm turning from not doing the things I did at first. And this week, I'm gonna commit to doing the things I did at first. However your conversation with him goes, whatever language you use, talk to him today about that. So I'm going to pray, and then I want to turn down the lights a little bit too, and then I just want you guys to come up to the altar and talk to him. Repent. Agree. Confession is different than repenting. You know, I've actually heard someone say this, confession only means that you're more guilty. Right? Now you've confessed to it. So we can't just confess our sins and think that that's where it stops. 
we also have to confess and repent. We have to turn from those things. So I can tell that through discernment that God's putting on a lot of your hearts today that it, today's the day. Today's the day for new hope. Today's the day for repentance. So I'm gonna pray and I just want you guys to come up here with this light music. Sit in the first row if you have to sit. Sit on the ground up here. Um, or maybe you've never like truly repented. You've just been a person who's like come to church and you're trying to understand what repentance truly means. You've never been born again. You've never been saved. You've never put your faith in Christ. Um, come up and have a conversation with God about that. God, I trust that you died on the cross and you rose three days later. And I recognize that I keep on pursuing worldly things and I want to give my life to you. I want to repent of my sins. Go have that same conversation. But it's scary to come up here, isn't it? For whatever reason, it's scary. It shouldn't be. So, Father, I pray today in Jesus' name that we would be people who repent, who remember the things that we did at first and we redo them. I pray for even those today who've never truly given their life to you, who've repented of their sins, that they would do the same thing. Father, even just put on the hearts of those in here who, who just need to come up here and have a conversation with you. Those who are even fighting that battle right now, sensing that you want them to do it, and they're just wrestling with, why would I do it? I'm embarrassed. Father, I pray boldness and power right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, amen. Church is not over. This is just now a moment for you guys to respond. There's a special blessing at the altar, I believe, today. We're still just going to remain here. Um, just even as I sat here, I just felt like God was saying, like, for someone, maybe for multiple people, I don't know, probably someone specifically, but today is the day. So, Father, we just declare that today is the day. This is the day that you have made. So we will rejoice and be glad, but today is the day. Just wanted to ask um, while we're in this moment, that is there anyone who just feels like a strong word from God that they're supposed to share? Not looking for a 10-minute testimony, right? But is there just something that God's putting on your heart, a scripture, a picture, a word of encouragement, an affirmation, confirmation? Is there anything that anyone feels like God's just stirring up? God, we just honor you with the music. We honor you, honor you with our hearts right now. Father, I just pray that this wouldn't be a deep thought that we have of self-analyzation, that we just wouldn't um, go home and say, ooh, wow, Sunday made me think. Father, I pray today and just declare that we'd be people of action, that we would repent, that we would redo the things we did at first. Father, I even pray against people who have offenses within this room, that they would be able to reconcile. Father, you were willing to lay down your life and we greatly offended you, far greater than anyone could ever offend us, but yet you forgave us. So I pray, Father, that those who are offended, even some who have hatred in their life today, Father, that they would be able to forgive someone, to release them to you, 
doesn't mean they become best friends or even talk to them ever again. But may they be able to forgive today. So Father, I pray for an outpouring of your spirit this morning, your power. Help focus us. Father, I pray for those who are dealing with lust today. That you would give them power. Father, I pray for those who are dealing with bitterness. That you would give them power. Those who are anxious, that you would give them power. Those who are fearful, that you would give them power. Those who are hurting, Father, physically, that you would give them power. Father, those in relationship problems, give them power. Those who feel insufficient, insecure, unseen, that you would give them power. Those who um, financially are in ruin, Father, give them power. In Jesus' name. Amen.